guys, welcome back to Cut Rusty Podcast. My name's Hayden, and I'm here with... Uh, Dylan, and uh, the rest of the squad's missing. Yep, so it's just going to be us again, although I've kind of took a break. I'm back for the second episode. So, now we're going to get into the second episode of the tournament series that Dylan is fishing, and this one was on Norse? No, this one was on uh, South Holston, okay. um, outside of uh, kind of Bristol, Abington area. So, are these tournaments kind of, you said it was Morristown Marine, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the tournament series. Are the tournament, like the lakes, kind of together? Or are they yeah, they're all kind of like uh, Tennessee River Chain, mm-hmm. uh, per se. You know, core of that is going to be, you know, Douglas, Norris, Cherokee. Uh, South Holston gets thrown in because it's actually starting before Cherokee. Uh, it's on the Holston River, which feeds Cherokee, so that kind of kicks off the Tennessee River chain and then flows down through uh, where we're going for the fourth stop on uh, Watts Bar, and then furthermore down into you know like Chick and uh, Gunnersville. So all that's connected through this uh, Tennessee River chain. Okay, for those who listened to the last episode, they kind of know the rules on the you know the tournaments, but for those who didn't, it's 150 per boat to enter. And you can go to the Morristown Marine to register. Yeah, you can do it online, over the phone. Um, you can just, like, go. They have a truck and trailer there, uh, wherever at the ramp, about a day before. So that Friday, you can go and pre-register, um, pick up your T-shirt, you know. So there's around 200, about 240 boats that's fishing it, kind of? Yeah, yeah, 240, 250-ish. Uh, the Soho tournament was, uh, I'm calling it Soho. It's just South Houston for short. That's a mouthful. So the Soho tournament was uh, 253, I think. So it was a little bit more. A little bit more. That surprises me because I figured Cherokee would be the more popular lake. You know, I did too. Um, I think a lot of people stayed away because of the wind. Um, you know, it's hard to fish in. It's yeah. just, it's it's tough. Yeah. So what did you, what was your flight? Did you guys get a good one? Uh, we drew pretty decent flight. We drew second flight, um, boat 83. So it was a little bit better than 170, 174, 172, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, so we got an early enough boat number to where we could actually run to a spot that we found in practice, and uh, it, it paid off for us pretty well, you got good. In practice this time, didn't you? Yeah, we got in. Uh, How was that? Got in. I got in a full day of practice. Blake actually got in two days of practice. He went down on Thursday. I came down on Friday. Um, it was tough. Uh, I think collectively between both of us, uh, Blake spent most of his time graphing on Thursday, just kind of seeing where if we could catch him offshore, trying to find a school smallmouth out deep or something. But um, it was it was tough. It was uh, we tried to run a normal pattern, you know, a typical spring pattern with a uh, jerk bait, swim bait, crank bait up shallow on the rocks, and it just wasn't happening. Um, so what was your preparation like for this time? Like what rods did you pack? What base did you pack with that? So this time came a little bit more prepared. Um, we had everything on the deck from a Demiki rig on a six pound test fluorocarbon with a spinning rod and all the way up to, you know, an A rig with a 20, 25 pound line. And, you Can you know, explain what a Demiki rig is. Yeah. So a uh, Demiki rig is probably one of the most popular techniques um, that's coming out of the East Tennessee lakes right now. So essentially, it started out as a crappie bait. Um, you take a small jig head, like an eighth, a fourth ounce, something like that. Um, you know, eighth is preferred, sixteenth if you can get away with it, something small. 
and you run a small little split-tailed uh, shad trailer on the hook. You just literally just thread it through. Um, and the idea is that that bait is, is a vertical bait. So you get over top of the fish, see them on your sonar, on your forward-facing sonar. You're able to drop the bait down, straight down, and just kind of jig it up and down and entice them to bite it. Um, a lot of people call it video game fishing because exactly it's same same concept yep um you know like i said it started as a crappie bait so people just modified it to be able to you know get huge schools of smallmouth fired up super quick so you know if you look back on uh, the bassmaster elite series on cherokee um, over the past two years i mean both of those tournaments have been won on the Dominique rig it's just a killer bait. I mean, it's just something that you really, really need in your arsenal to be able to go out deep and, uh, you know, find those big schools of smallmouth and, and put a, you know, 19, 20 pound limit in the boat. So, uh, what was your, uh, strategy going in? Like what bait were you targeting to use at the start of the morning? So we hoped that, uh, through practice, we threw everything but the kitchen sink. I mean, we couldn't get them to touch jerk bait. Um, through you know just shad pattern stuff all day uh, i put the cranking rod back in the box by 10 30 on practice day uh, we actually pulled up to the ramp and signed up by 11 and we had no bites no fish no nothing so we were like we're gonna skunk so we decided to completely change our mentality coming out of signing up and we're like all right we got to do something polar opposite of what we've been doing let's try to go drop on them and find a school so luckily we idled probably I don't know, you know, four or 500 yards from the boat ramp and found a school and saw that there were some active fish on the bottom uh, coming up and feeding into the school of shad. So we decided Blake dropped on them and we kind of messed with the live scope a little bit. And uh, he instantly put two spots in the boat within, you know, 10, 15 minutes of doing that. So that gave us a little bit of confidence that we were able to use live scope effectively and kind of, uh, be able to drop on them so from there we said okay let's go apply this up shallow um, because i had caught rumor that you know ditches were going to play and by ditches i mean uh, a lot of people call them drains it's essentially just like the middle of the creek channel going into uh, a creek arm or the mouth of it so when you pull up in a holler you know instead of fishing the bank on both sides you're fishing out the middle and uh, as soon as we rolled up in there we found fish and we, you know, I chucked an A-rig and a small, uh, small mega bass swim bait, a little spark shad three inch bait and, uh, had two small mouth in the, or yeah, two small mouth in the boat within, you know, 20 minutes of that spot. So instantly we pulled out of that spot that was going to be our honey hole. And then we just went and tried to, tried to find somewhere where we could catch a kicker and by kicker, I mean, it just, you know, like a, a four or five pound large mouth pretty much, um, so we were expecting to kind of roll into this spot and just catch all smallmouth. That wasn't the case when we got there on Saturday morning. So what happened when you got there on Saturday morning? <laughs> so uh, we kind of had a little meeting there, uh, Blake and I did the night before. Uh, we took a little Bass Pro trip, and Blake picked up a uh, jerkbait in uh, it was purple with chartreuse belly. Uh, he switched from a, a mega bass to a Berkeley Stunna, uh, which is Hank Cherry's signature. So, 
you know, the Mega Bass is typically, I mean, it's $25 jerkbait for a reason. Like, it's top of the line. It's like the Mac Daddy jerkbait. Like, if you're throwing one, that's what you need to have on. Um, so, Blake made the switch to this Stunna, and, uh, you know, we just got on live scope and kind of uh, scoped around and found our school in the back of this pocket. We knew that those were the fish. We knew that they were there. And within uh, probably you know, 10, 15 minutes, Blake hooked up. And when he hooked up, I was like, oh, crap. Because, I mean, drag was ripping off of a bait caster. I was like, this is a big one. So I'm, like, throwing rods down, trying to get the net, trying to figure out what's going on. Net this fish, four and a half pounder almost. So it was like four, four, two, something like that, four, four and a quarter. Which is a quality fish. But it was a large mouth. Yeah. So it was a complete opposite of what we had practiced. So we had that in the boat first 10, 15 minutes of being in the water. So we're like, holy crap, we got a shot. Next two casts, Blake hooks into a smallmouth. Net it. That's that's a little bit over two. It was like two, two and a two and a quarter pretty much. So now we're sitting at seven pounds and two fish. And we're like, okay, we're on to something. We're like all right, this school's getting fired up. We're going to circle around to the back of the creek, come back through on live scope, and see if we can target these fish again. We're on the way back, and Blake says, hey, man, throw a throw a, a lipless crank on. That way you can just kind of fan cast this this flat out here, you know, just in case we you might pick one up. You never know. So I was like, okay, whatever. Tied on a, a lipless, literally fired out. I'm reeling it back in. Blake's like, man, it would be awesome if like a three-pound largemouth crushed this right now. Before he got crushed this right now out of his mouth, I hook up to another four, get it in, net it. Now we got 11-ish, 11 and a half pounds in the boat by 8.30. Two largemouth, two fish over four, literally identical. Super fat, super pre-spawn fish. And we're like, all right, this is it. It's going down. Like, this is our tournament. It's time to go get a limit. Needed two fish. So... We circled back around to our school. Uh, school is chasing bait now, so they're just kind of all over the place. So we decided to let them calm down a little bit. So we pull out of the pocket, um, run down, try to drop on them, try to throw the A-rig off points, uh, tried to, you know, chuck a small swim bait just to downsize through the jerk bait. We flipped trees, went pretty much from 8.30 to 12 without getting a bite. That's got to be brutal. It was, got it. Oh, it was like the best feeling in the world by 9 o'clock that morning. And by lunchtime, we were just like, what the heck happened? Because, I mean, we had a school. We had fish. We, they were biting. There was obviously good-sized yeah. fish in there. Quality fish. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the wind kicked up around 11, and it shut the whole lake down. I mean, there was just no bite for us there on the main lake. So we reverted back to the pocket one more time and just kind of went through and marked everything on live scope. And uh, it just just couldn't get any committers. I mean, it shut the whole shut the whole feed down on those that smallmouth school and, and some mixed largemouth in. So we, we tried everything in the world. I mean, we could see them on live scope. We were bringing baits right by their face. I mean, we threw everything, cranks, lipless. Uh, we threw spark shad, little three-inch swim bait. We threw an A-rig. We threw a jerk bait. We threw literally everything in the boat at them and couldn't get them to commit. So we decided to pull out of the pocket again and just fish for two fish the rest of the day. 
Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen. So with about an hour left, we decided to make one last run back into the pocket just to see what happens, just to uh, figure out, you know, if we could maybe entice one or two to bite. Um, with about 15 minutes to go, Blake hooked up to a, a little 12-inch largemouth uh, that, you know, went about a pound, so that gave us 12 and a half. And that was it. I mean, we couldn't put a limit together. Um it was pretty brutal. It's got to be heartbreaking to start out so strong. It was. I mean, as soon as the wind kicked up on that lake, it completely shut the lake down. I've, wow. I've never seen that happen before. Speaking of lakes, how does it compare to Cherokee? Very similar. Very, very similar. Um, same type of structure, same type of clay banks, rock transitions, a lot of brush in the water. So were you going for the same approach? In the beginning of practice, on practice day one, um, Blake ran the same pattern as we did on Cherokee, thinking that, you know, clay flats were going to play, but they didn't at all. Okay, um, so they didn't play for you in this. They didn't really play for you too much on Cherokee. So if you end up back on Cherokee, would you fish it the same way that you did? or uh, Not not later in the spring, no. Um, so time I, changes that. Into- yeah, for sure. Because, you know, you have fish that are pulling up pre-spawn, uh, getting up in that warmer water in the shallows to go on bed. And, you know, that's just not there when you go later on in the year. I mean. How's your bait going to change? You know, the early spring is a lot of crankbait bite. Um, you're pretty much just throwing search baits and hope of, uh, you know, if you're not out deep, of course. Uh, if you're shallow, you're throwing something that's going to be a search bait. And that way you can just kind of look for fish and, and cover a lot of water. That's the key in the spring. I mean, you just got to cover a whole lot of water. Um, I think we both kind of did an estimate of our average cast. Um, I'll calculate it here for you guys. So we averaged about a cast every 20 seconds. Uh, we're going to say we took about throughout the day an hour's worth of time, either you know transitioning between spots, something like that. So we fished like we were actually fishing for seven out of the eight hours of the tournament. Um, that's a cast every 20 seconds, right? So that's three a minute. Um, there's 60 minutes in an hour. 60 times three gives you 180. So that's 180 casts in an hour over the course of seven hours. That's almost 1,300 casts. <laughs> Between between the two of us. So, I mean, that was each individual person. So, I mean, we're making 2,500 casts covering miles of water just by how much line we've got out, just trying to find fish. Still can't find. And just couldn't find a limit. That's That's been our biggest heartbreak so far. We just can't put a limit together. Cherokee, we had three fish. Soho, we had four fish. Hopefully, Norris leads us to five. The numbers don't lie. I mean, we're, we're trending up for sure. Uh, we're, we're figuring this live scope deal out. That's super important right now because that's that's the latest and greatest technology that's going on in fishing. I mean, if you're not dealing with, you know, forward-facing sonar, whether that's active target from Lowrance, live scope from Garmin, um, mega live from Hummingbird, you know, you're really making a mistake because when you can see a fish hit your lure, on the on the graph i mean that's that's pretty awesome so uh, yeah it essentially yeah i mean it it makes it gives you that feeling i mean you're fishing like in a video game kind of because you're just watching yourself on a screen do something 
But as technology advances and people start to use technology, you have to keep up with the game. You have to keep up with the game. That's exactly right. Um, you know, I've been listening to uh, BTL a lot. It's a podcast. It's called Bass Talk Live. Um, guys are really good. They have pros on almost every week. Um, and, you know, the last year, year and a half, all that's been talked about is forward-facing sonar and how crucial it is to master it. So, you know, me and Blake are working pretty hard to try to figure out forward-facing sonar because, you know, that'll enable us to catch. We saw our bag go up. You know, Cherokee, we didn't use it at all. We had six pounds. Go to Soho, which is arguably a tougher lake than Cherokee, and double it using forward-facing sonar. So, you know, that going into Norris is going to play huge. Um, Blake's going to hit the water Thursday, and uh, we're just going to see what we can find. Um, so as we're closing down, what won it? Uh, this one was one, it was over 20 pounds. Um, I think 2021 is what won it. Same guy? Uh, no, that actually, uh, imagine he got second in this one. Really? That dude's an absolute hammer, That's man. Crazy. I'm telling you. He's, he is a hammer. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, when you're fishing against guys, like you said earlier, that, that fish this stuff every single day and have the time to go out and pre-fish, you know, seven days a week, it becomes more of a challenge than, you know, just a weekend warrior going out and, and you putting in a day of pre-fishing and then rolling straight into the tournament. But, I mean, essentially when it gets to that, you're fishing against almost like kind of minor leaders. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of these guys fish the BFLs. They fish yeah. the Bassmaster Opens. They're fishing the uh, MLF Opens. I mean, these guys are hammers. So, I mean, you're getting – you're getting the top best. of the line com- competition, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, interesting event to watch this weekend, uh, starting Thursday. Um, Bassmaster actually has an open on Lake Cherokee. Uh, a lot of lot of pros in that. A lot of upcoming pros in that. Um, be interesting to see what wins it and uh, how they do. I think they're doing some live coverage of that, um, so that'll be very very interesting to see how you know they adjust versus how we did it. Although, you know, I mean, it's almost a month in between times that we fished it. But um, at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how those guys just pick that lake apart. So before we close it down, what did you finish? Um, we finished out of the check. Uh, we finished 56th. Check. Out of 253 hey, 56 bad. out of 253 was not bad on a tough Except day. If we would have had one more fish in the boat, we would have cut a check. I think the cutoff line for the check was like 43rd, maybe. So we missed it by 13 spots. And the different, the weight difference was uh, under a pound. So That's it was, close. I think, I think 13.25 was the cutoff, and we had 12.5 even. So tough. One more, one more keeper fish. Oh, we just needed a 12 inch fish. On the north. On the north. All right, guys. That was the second installment of the tournament series here, the Dillon's Fishing. And the next one's going to be on Norris. So yep. Stay tuned that's, for that. uh, that's coming up this weekend. So, y'all y'all wish us luck. Uh, Norris is a tough lake. It's, it's a tough cookie to crack. Uh, we're not going to have much pre-fishing. I know I'm literally going down the night before uh, just due to my work schedule. And uh, Blake's able to get, you know, two days of pre-fishing in. So, we're just going to throw the kitchen sink at it, run some patterns that, you know, neither one of us are really necessarily – 
known for or comfortable with, and uh, we're just going to see what happens. So I know that we can catch fish uh, on one side of the lake. Unfortunately, it's on the polar opposite end from where we're launching, so it's going to be like a 60, 65-minute boat ride in 30-degree weather. So uh, your boy's going to be wearing his 100-mile-an-hour uh, suit and uh, probably a, a, a motorcycle helmet to get down the lake at, at that speed that early. So uh, we'll see how she goes. I, I'm pretty excited to get back out on the water and, and – and keep tournament fishing. I become addicted to this stuff, man. I mean, once you get a little taste of it, you just want to keep getting better and better and better. And I mean, me, like I can't, I can't be bad at something. Like I have to force myself to be good at it. So it just irks me that, you know, I'm not able to get a top ten initially. So we're hungry and uh, we're, we're we're willing to adapt to just about anything that gets thrown at us. So we'll we'll see what Norris gives us and uh, we'll see what we can take away from it. All right, guys. You guys stay tuned. That episode should be out. Uh, next next episode should be out next week. We'll probably do a recap on uh, you know midweek, probably Wednesday, something like that. Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, hopefully, start kicking these out to you guys. Um, so yeah, we'll just keep you guys updated after the tournament. Uh, like we said last time, you know, if you guys like us, um, you know, give us a like, give us a share on Facebook. Uh, that's where we're running most of our social media stuff through. Uh, we're also on TikTok. Uh, we're on Instagram. What else are we on? We got a website through uh, through the the uh, podcast page here on Anchor. Um, so and just trying to get as much exposure as possible. So you know, if you guys want to come on the show, let us know. Like we mentioned in the in the last episode, uh, we'd love to have special guests. Uh, we'd love to take requests on what to talk about. Uh, Anybody or anything. Yeah. Hey, anything and everything is, is always welcome. So um, we'll kind of wrap this up here and, and uh, get back to you guys with the third stop of the Morristown Marine Trail, hopefully next week. Uh, give you guys a little Norris wrap up. So until then, uh, thank you guys for, tuning in again and uh we'll catch you guys next week